Excuse me, Veronica. <clears throat> yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Hello and welcome to the Pants Party. I am your host, Harrison Starr, uh, joined on on uh, assignment at the Four Seasons Heating and Air Conditioning, Plumbing and Electric in Chicago, Illinois. We have Ben Ross. Ben, how's it going out there? Hey, we're doing pretty good out there. You know, we got two, three, uh, you know, Plumbers Unions guys coming out. And, uh, you know, we're going to go and support our football team. Uh, we're going to change our name to Score Seasons out there. Uh, we're going to have some nice beefs for everybody to come out. Nice coming out party for these Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, you know, come over to Score Seasons. We're going to put up four nine points against Michigan State. Do it again this weekend, Minnesota. Can't wait. Oh, man. A voice that matches his mustache, which I must say is tremendous. Is that a Movember deal you got going there? It's a nice handlebar. Yeah, it was actually, I was, I uh, participated in a uh, whodunit clue-like dinner party on Friday night, and the theme was 1920s, and uh, I tried to shave my facial hair into something a little bit more of the era, and I just am not deft enough. I mean, I, I don't shave ever, so um, I'm not good enough with a razor, and we stuck with the handlebar, and it, it was a hit. I, I was going to shave it yesterday or Saturday, but I decided to save it for you, and since I don't really see my coworkers on Zoom, I just decided to leave it. I might keep it longer, you know? I'm It's really growing on me, and like nobody, nobody sees it when you wear a mask, and then once you take it off, the reveal is really, <laughs> it's really, really satisfying. <laughs> So I'm going to just try and ride it out. Yeah, I mean, it's like you said, you you don't see anyone for work. You see people, maybe your closest friends, your your quarantine crew. So it's worth it for the, the sheer, I don't even know if humor is the right word, but just the reaction, right? I mean, that has to be it. Because I, I know you, we were uh, talking about what we were going to do on Saturday. And instead of spending uh, the 11 to two o'clock hour as God <laughs> intended watching big 10 football, you said you were going to go golfing and, and you shared that picture of your handlebar mustache from, from mm-hmm. the links. And honestly, I, I, not to lean into it too much, but I, I know you watch the game later. You have some thoughts. I have some thoughts, but I, I think we have a new, um, uh, a new Saturday uh, tradition for you, uh, just to keep the keep the superstition. That was the word I was looking for. Superstition. Uh, Sadly, I don't think you can golf anywhere at six thirty yeah. at night. I don't think I'll be golfing again, at least in the state of Illinois, until the spring. And you know, like you said, the next Iowa football game is not on a Saturday; it's a Friday night. And um, I forget. There's a third point you addressed, and I forgot it. Uh, I think it was just the darkness, maybe. Oh, yeah, the fact that we got the grief. The grief. I, I mean, it's, it's what it is. We have to live our lives. Oh, we can't... I'm not even going to acknowledge... <laughs> I'm not even going to acknowledge Mr. Facebook. I, I mean, part of the reason I, I, I'd like to keep 
things pretty private. I don't have a Facebook or Instagram anymore. Twitter is my only social media. So that's why I felt okay tweeting out the photo. But uh, I mean, it was made aware to me that some of you, I mean, I'm not even address him because he's probably ideally he's not listening to this podcast anymore, but he's very <laughs> upset. Uh, I now take up real estate and someone said that, you know, I was able to take back my Saturday and enjoy a nice round of golf and then consume the Iowa football game in a total of 58 minutes, thanks to a fast forward function. So, I mean, who, who's the, who's the sucker and loser in this situation? Rocky Lombardi. That sure is. The sucker (laughs) and loser is. Um, so I think that's probably the, the transition, right? Because Iowa... Um, uh, they had that game circled, it would have appeared. Rocky mm-hmm. Lombardi was uh, a homecoming of sorts. He um, comes from, uh, what was it, Valley, I believe, is where he went to high school. Um, I thought he went uh, amazing. To no, 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 no. Okay. It was uh, Kerner that went to Dowling. Ah. Um, but it was a homecoming, and it was just about the the worst way that it could go. Um. 49 to 7, Iowa racked up uh, 405 yards, uh, 226 yards rushing on 41 attempts. Just delightful numbers there, slight edge time of possession wise. And, and really, it, it was um, a start to finish beatdown uh, in a way that um, I, I think I may have expected a little earlier in the season. Um, but now that it's here, I guess no no sense complaining about that. No, I mean you got we got the monkey off our back. Uh, it's finally after we've been suffering for so long collectively. We never thought this was going to happen. We you know we just always in the back of our minds we just always thought you know we could do it. But there are always these factors behind us like oh my god are they really going to go win winless? Like I can't believe we're going to have another four games without going without uh, going for a win. But uh, against all odds, everybody came out, did what they needed to do. Um, we cheered, cheered on the team from the golf course hard enough and uh, casted our strokes from there. And Iowa now has a win. And I think the world and the country is in a better and safer place. And I just feel really, really good about how the, the direction um, this team is moving forward, is moving towards after, you know, just being so depressed and down and uh, just devoid of life uh, recently. Yeah, I think that that's really it is they showed emotions the wrong word, but they they showed life, like you said. Um, You know, I I think it's easy for, um, we had alluded to it in the past, just like everything that's going on, the fact that uh, it's not really even a real season, fans aren't in the stands, it doesn't feel real. It's like, ah, just a developmental season, easy to, to write off and move on to the next one, but they got us back, Ben. I, I think. I mean, I yeah. at least at least for this Friday game, um, I, I am very optimistic. Probably the wrong word. I, maybe I'm holding Iowa's offense to too high a standard, um, but <laughs> uh, like yeah, a standard that we would not normally hold it to, um, but. To, to their credit, they they matched it. Um, I, I don't think it should. We should hold it against them that it wasn't a close game. You know, you get credit for wins that are not close games. And really, mm-hmm. my 
my bone to pick the prior two weeks was that they were two close games that had no business being a close game. And Iowa came out and did it in a total team effort. And it was utterly delightful. So um, I think what to you is maybe the biggest takeaway um, that you would hope for Iowa moving forward? I think it's a little dumb, obviously, uh, because but what, what the first thing I wrote down and then I was like watching was just the body language uh, of the players on the sideline. And obviously, you know, touchdowns are the kindling of the fire. That is the way you interact with your teammates and coaches and how you celebrate. And uh, I don't know if there's another word for body language I can put out there, but it, just the team looked different. It looked like a different team. It really did. Uh, and not even on the field. I'm talking about, I'm talking about on the sidelines, the way they, but pregame, the the I, it, it seemed like the uh, they had sort of figured out how the team was going to address kneeling, and uh, that it seemed like a little bit more unified effort on that front. Uh, wasn't uh, cobbled together um, view on the sideline from what it looked like, and then people just rushing to celebrate Tyler Goodson's stanky leg touchdown. The the way that the offensive line comported around themselves, um, around their their quarterback and running backs on the sideline, the way it seemed like they were showing Phil Parker a lot more uh, during the broadcast and uh, other coaches, you know, maskless Phil Parker, but whatever. <laughs> um, and it, I do want to talk about, it looks like Kirk Ferentz is wearing pajamas during the game. He's wearing what my dad wears on Saturday and Sunday mornings, which are a quarter zip and they're not sweatpants, but they're athletic. They're not, jeans or denim they're they're athletic pants and i don't like that call me old-fashioned <laughs> but bring me back suits and ties for coaches because that's the one thing i'll say about pj fleck is i mean i i he if he could he probably he, he probably wear a necktie and a bow tie at the same time if it was both <laughs> but i i do respect the way he dresses himself and each every uh, I think Kirk has worn the same thing all three games this year, and it's been a sloppy looking. I mean, the, the quarter zip's fine, but I just don't like the the any pants with an elastic waistband. That's it. They're they should be off limits. They just should on game day attire. From a coach, uh, I'll, I'll grant you that I did not pay. I guess that much attention to. Uh, what Kirk Ferentz was wearing. I did see he had uh, his hairstyle went, I don't know if it was necessarily viral, but it was very, uh, not as well kept as it normally is. Uh, certainly so not even well kept that. Yeah. as Brian keeps his. Um, but uh, I think getting back to the biggest takeaway, it's absolutely the body language. I think even, um, even against Northwestern, there wasn't necessarily that same type of fire. Mm -mm. Um, even though maybe, maybe it's a little bit revisionist, but, um, you know, it, it, it seemed like they had a high energy, energy level from beginning to end. It's hard not to get fired up when, you know, you have, you start off with an eight play 75 yard, uh, touchdown drive. Um, just the, the jet sweeps are back. Um, were they be back against Minnesota? Who's to say? And, and I think that's always kind of why I have the standards I do is because we've seen one-off, really exciting, just beat downs before, and it and we want to 
just continue to build on it in a way that um, maybe goes against uh, what we've seen in the past. And in fairness, it is football. It's not like you can just, it's a linear trajectory. Um, but uh, to me, it, it seemed like the the offense did what it needed to do when it was scripted. Um, the defense didn't necessarily let the offense get into a lull. They extended the lead a couple of times. Um, and, and then the offense, the thing I, I was, um, you know, I, I was pleasantly surprised by is um, it would, any score in the second half would have been good. But I think the fact that they came out, they stuck to what had been working in terms of um, running out of shotgun uh, using the jet sweep motion, um, to me, not just immediately going into uh, the turtle shell and just hoping that the game ends as quickly as possible. It was nice to see um, they extend the lead uh, those couple of times, especially that that run. It would have been nice to see Tyler Goodson take it 75 yards right off the bat. Um, but it's what it is. They, they got it. They got the touchdown. Uh, and really, I think that um, emotionally, that's the type of thing that you don't want hanging over your head. So even getting it out, um, uh, you know, getting that bad karma, maybe that's the wrong word, but um, just getting the monkey off the back. Like you said earlier, that that is something they don't need to worry about when uh, they play Minnesota. And if it is a close game, oh, we haven't scored a second half touchdown in over a year. No, that happened last week. Um, sometimes seeing is believing. Uh, and really, um, it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I guess um, I, I'm gonna, I posed this question to myself immediately after the game, but I, I kind of want to get your perspective, Ben, in terms of who was the player of the game that you would consider? Uh, I think Charlie Jones. Mm-hmm. Really, I, I I mean that. Yeah, I thought it might have been a little bit of an overreaction by me at the beginning to 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 raise that on on Saturday, but I look at it a little more, and it I I, I do think it is him. I really do, just because he he not only had the returns, but um, I think the way in which he does does them, he he's you. So far, he's established himself as sure-handed as I think any um, punt returner. Any, we've seen. Yeah, which I guess knock on wood, right? Because uh, I mean, since Desmond King, when's the last time you felt really freaking confident about a punt returner? Is Desmond King, which isn't that long ago, for being fair, but it's still five years, four years. Yeah, um, but even before that, I, I know. Cavante Martin Manley had his moments. Micah Hyde. Not really. He didn't even do anything. Well, he had his moment against they, Western Michigan. Okay, sweet. Uh, but, like, they never – they always fair catched it, fair caught it. I don't think they even had – like, Micah Hyde, I don't think he even – Oh, yeah, uh, Micah Hyde criminally underutilized. Didn't even – they just didn't even let him return it if he wanted. Um, but after – and to my point about Jones, which I think helped reinforces my case, is the, the body language, again, the, 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 the morale that he boosted after his, his – not just his touchdown, the, the long punt return, uh, that, uh, the first one of the game for him. Uh, that just does so much 
for the sideline, for the morale, for the body language, the how, and then it also changes the way the coaches and makes their jobs a little bit easier uh, too for coaching the game when you're able to get 25, 30 yards, flip, flip the field uh, on a special teams play like that. Um, I mean, after Jones, really, I mean, you know, obviously Tyler Goodson's an obvious choice. Um, you know, I could say Brandon Smith, but I don't think it's true. You know, uh, defensively, um, nobody, I think, uh, again, Davion Nixon was incredible, uh, had a scoop and score called back. And then Barrington Wade's interception was truly a really incredibly athletic play. I, I rewound, we watched and rewound it three or four times. It wasn't, obviously it wasn't a great flat pass. Wasn't nearly as bad as the other two interceptions that um, uh, Lombardi threw, but uh, Barrington Wade's been really impressive this year. Um, so on the defensive side of the ball, I'd say either Wade or Nixon. Offense, um, uh, you know, Goodson. It's super easy because he put, put up a box score, but really, I think Charlie Jones is the easy easy choice, and he got Big Ten special special teams player of the week. Um, so. We got it's. We got the. Uh, we got receipts. Exactly. I, I think the th- the thing about Jones that Kirk Kirk Ferentz has long perhaps overvalued special teams um, to the point. Obviously, punting is winning has been. I don't know if it's exclusive to Iowa or if it's a college football thing, but it is one hundred percent something that when I hear, I associate with Iowa and almost vice versa in terms of Kirk Ferentz. And I think finally valuing what it means to have a game-breaking returner from the for, for punts, I think that that is it's the the recognition that it matters both to punt, but also as you mentioned, to be able to flip the field because you're you're talking that very first one that he had, he fair caught one, but then the second one, it, it was a decent punt, but he maneuvered his way and made it a net 11 yards so like you do the do the math on all of this stuff and the the net that Iowa had in terms of um close to over 45 yards of punt um they had right at 40 but then he returns at 100 yards so it's like he he made their net average 30 yards and that is just a tremendous use. And, and I think what we'll see and what you saw with Michigan state a little bit is they started getting afraid of him. Um, and that's only going to be to Iowa's benefit as well, whether it's um, the kind of short line drive kicks or they try and boundary kick it. Um, I, I think that they use two punters. Yeah. I don't know if that's yeah. a strategy thing, if Michigan State's been doing that, or if it was a Charlie Jones thing. But either way, like you're doing something right if you've got to make another team use both both their punters. Exactly, exactly. So uh, love me some Charlie Jones. I think that he's just I, – I don't think he's taken any snaps away from Amir Smith-Marset, but I, I think going forward – I hope that Iowa continues to utilize the receivers that they have. Um, and I think they they almost need to double or triple down on it from a, a run game standpoint. Um, I was thinking about it a little bit 
just in terms of how can Iowa divvy up their touches better? And, like, obviously you don't necessarily need to hammer it home with, with Goodson 30 times, but you, you would like to probably see him get close to 20 touches a game. But, like, once you've kind of established him as your bell cow on offense, how can you get it in the hands of your playmakers the most consistently? And I was just thinking, like, the run game really should be how Iowa gets their hands, their ball into the hands of the playmakers going forward. Uh, Especially, I think, there's going to be some double-reverse stuff with Jones and Smith-Marset, I'm hoping at least. Yeah, and not even that too. I think I think we saw in the first game, and I don't think we saw Northwest or yeah, in the Northwestern game. But Makai Sargent and Goodson in the backfield at the same time—that was really great to see. I'd like to see more of that. Um, I did have you know written down where what, what is Charlie Jones? Is, where is his place on this team? And you alluded to it a little bit. Like I don't think he's taking snaps away from Amir Smith Marset, and I don't think he should either. But at the same time. Um, you know, should we should he only be relegated at, to special teams from now? Obviously, he had a couple catches or he had a couple runs. Um, he got some offensive run on uh, on Saturday, but that's probably because of <clears throat> the absence of Smith Marset. Um, but yeah, that definitely opens up the option for creativity with this with this offense. But again, that's that ball is in Brian Ferentz's court, and uh, it, it did look like he was playing with a little bit, a few more toys in his toy box and typically on Saturday. But the problem that we've had with this multiple times, and when I say multiple times, I mean always with Brian Ferentz is <laughs> like how many zone read runs are we going to see next week against this week against Minnesota? Are we going to see Charlie Jones put back in a drawer? Are we going to see um, Monty potty bomb and Monty potty bomb and only Tyler Goodson and not no more, no more, no more, no more wildcat and things like that. It's just total. It's, you know, it's a little, um, you know, it's just schizophrenic and unpredictable the way they call these games. Yeah. Yeah. I think we, we can talk about the offense every single time and we're going to, right? Because it is, consistently the sticking point and the the thing that that i think about is ultimately you just want to win games like i I, it's probably fair to say if iowa comes out victorious in either purdue or uh northwestern with one percent different you know offense um but they end up with the points that are needed i don't know are we having this discussion maybe because I always like to be a dick and take the defensive and special teams touchdowns outside of Iowa points and understand where that actually sits in um, the scoring totals for these teams. Like even Brian Ferentz's 30-point season, take the special teams touchdowns out of that. No, it's 29. Like I said, we can nitpick it all we want. We're going to. But I think – Ultimately, it comes down to wins, and, and I think when you have the defense that it – maybe it's just because Michigan State's horrible. That is the caveat to this. Maybe everyone's horrible. I think we all thought, oh, Michigan might be good, but then they get hand-blasted by Indiana, who maybe they're good. Uh, so no, they are good. There's a lot to parse Indiana because it's good. so weird. Um, but if the defense is as good as – they look like they might be without kind of that 
superstar player um, outside of Nixon. Nixon Nixon's a superstar, um, but m- maybe you you need an offense that um, is not scoring quite as much. But I would still like to see the diversified play calling that we saw in terms of the run game. To me, that's the the one consistent that needs to occur over this season is show a schematic change in terms of the way they view lateral movement on offense pre-snap. And I think we've seen some of it. It's just about there are five games left. Every single game, in my opinion, that needs to be a point of emphasis. And if they win and that isn't a point of emphasis, I still think it's like it, 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 it. it just it needs to move forward. Like that's just kind of my my thoughts on the offenses for it to move forward this year because I think we'll see maybe more people back than we thought. Sorry, more, maybe more people what back than we thought. Like oh. I I would suspect that Smith Marset and Smith both go, but what if one of them stays? Like, I mean, I think that that that. It could be weird. Like I, I just don't know what is in store for the next twelve months, especially. And if one, a couple, those two guys do stay instead of going to the NFL or transferring for some weird reason, um, you know, I, I think that it, you know, it, it might show that the the page has really turned in Iowa City in a way that we, I mean, it feels like whiplash. We definitely didn't think it was coming, but it's about moving forward keeping it going because it's like, oh, it was fun. And then there Mm -hmm. was our our moment in the sun (laughs) against a bad Michigan State team. Yeah. Um, Obviously, you know, there's a difference between staying and then transferring. Um, We could break news here. Amir Smith-Marset just did tweet. Um, This has been posted six times in our Blackheart Gold Slack. Um, basically, it's just an apology from Amir Smith Marset. I'm happy to be back with my team preparing for the Minnesota game this Friday and competing for the remainder of the season. Um, talks about how he had a lapse of judgment, making a critical mistake in regards to his OWI. Um, I think it was good on him. It was, uh, and we should also mention that he is in, he is back in the starting lineup uh, in the two deeps that were released today. Um, <clears throat> so maybe that's, an, you know, more, you know, we were, <laughs> the attitude is so different. <laughs> right now between you and I than it was a week ago. Um, yeah. It's just so funny. We talk, it's, it's true of all sports. Just, uh, I don't know. I mean, winning cures everything. And it, it's just so true. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, but before we yeah. go to break. <laughs> and not just in sports. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, there is a general malaise that we had at the time mm-hmm. of our reporting last time that has been... <laughs> Lifted. It's been improved. I've still got something on my I mind. Know. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll cross that bridge when I need to. Um, but really, winning cures a lot. Um, I think that, you know, everyone was what? They were swag surfing? That, that's that's what the kids are doing these days is swag I'm, surfing in the no idea. Room. I have no idea what that is. Well, I guess uh, I'll, I'll send it to you later. Um but everyone was enjoying the Iowa win. I just hope that there are more Iowa wins to, to enjoy because this team certainly is capable enough um, like we thought. And I hate the idea that it's going to come back to 
if Iowa does end up with a good season just outside of like ca- call it five and three, they're down a game to most Purdue. typical fucking season ever. It will uh, feel like uh, just punch to the gut because it's like everyone was dealing with the same deck of cards and Iowa couldn't figure out those first two games because that that is not a character a positive character trait of Kirk Ferentz's to be developmental and um, need that time to ramp up. Everyone didn't have that time. And to me, it now we're just playing hypotheticals, but um, yeah, I mean, it makes me, it makes me wonder how the season would look if Michigan state was the first team we played. You yeah. Know? I mean, who knows? Because they, they turned it over seven times, right? So it, right. it very well could have been mm-hmm. a different season. If Iowa was able to get some, Real positive momentum going. Um, so I think we'll go ahead and take a break here and discuss uh, other stuff, including huh. uh, the fact that everyone poops. Ooh. They get real. <laughs> and we are back. Ben, did you know that everyone poops? Uh, big if true. It totally, it, you know, uh, some more than others. Uh, I don't think I've ever mentioned on the pod or anywhere really before, but, um, you know, I, I'm a advocate of the keto diet and that makes it regular. Um, so I'm very well versed with everything, but you know, only, <clears throat> only Minnesota and coaching absolute genius. PJ Fleck is able to not so implicitly illustrate how his team has been looking this year and read them the fabled children's book. Everybody poops trying to turn um, whatever you want to, the manure of his football team into, I, he's trying to, it was the most ham fisted allegory I've ever heard my, seen in my entire life. Um, I don't know what he's trying to do. Motivational speaker, PJ Fleck, good on you, buddy. It seems like a stretch because yeah. <laughs> I am not, Pulling out uh, my number two from the toilet and taking it and putting it in my basil plant. Now, maybe I should, but (laughs) I'm not going to do that. I don't think anyone does that. No one's poop is manure unless we're in what in uh, on Mars hanging out with Matt Damon. but I guess that's the state of Minnesota football right now because I, I have their stats pulled up. I haven't been able to watch them in either all any three of their games. But they did, you know, put a, put a whooping on I- Illinois. But two two losses to Michigan and Maryland teams. We don't know how good they are. Um, and on the season, Ben, guess how many yards per carry they're giving up? Oh, giving up? It's yeah. I bet it's five and a half. Seven point. Oh my god! I mean, I watched. I watched basically the entire Michigan. No, I did watch the entire Michigan game, and I watched the first half, the Maryland game, and yeah, their defense doesn't exist. It simply does not. I think. Uh, well, for the Maryland and Michigan games, I don't think their defensive coordinator was available. I could be wrong. Um, at least for he one was of those not games. available last night. Or this week against oh, Illinois, right? and he may not be available for Iowa <laughs> on Friday. So I think the guy you, you would have to fact check me on this, but I think their co-defensive coordinator now is like 
29 years old. Um, not that that really matters. Well, it does matter. He's a very young person calling this defense, and so that, that leaves them without their offensive coordinator, Kirk Shiraka. He went to Penn State. He's doing real well. Good for them. And now Minnesota is on their backup defensive coordinator. Um, not making excuses, but, you know, this is the reality of you want a college football, and now you're getting it, everybody. And I, I don't see those numbers improving. If if Minnesota has a banner day on defense against Iowa on Friday, like we will once again be, you know, doom and gloom would be restored. I think to to this podcast, but especially with <laughs> especially with the back like the backfield Iowa has. Um, I what's what's the spread? I don't even know. Uh, it I believe opened at Iowa. Uh, I think it was Iowa minus three is what it opened, my, and it may have moved. It's minus three and higher. a half on my phone. Okay, then maybe it's different uh, when this gets posted. But yeah, I mean, to me that that line seems right. Like I, I think we we both sat here yeah. and looked at that Michigan State line, and we're like nine points. That that's absurd. Um, but you do. It came down to where it, where it ultimately was right. Was that mm-hmm. five, five and a half points? Um, I, I think maybe we see the I- Iowa get back up to five, five and a half points because I think I've seen more from this Iowa team that I like uh, that would make me actually feel comfortable laying a cent or two on them just because... The deep, the defense, in my opinion, is um, ready. I think is what it comes down to. I think I saw what I wanted to out of the defensive line against an admittedly bad Michigan State offensive line. It was, it but was I think like, it was like high school Iowa's offensive line and defensive line. I, that's something we didn't talk about. The trenches. Iowa hasn't dominated a Big Ten opponent that's not named Rutgers like that in I can't remember how long. Yeah, like I, I was, I was really kind of blown away. Um, and I don't know if it was injuries or it was just uh, a choice to shuffle it. I, I think maybe they settled on the right one uh, in terms of having the, those guys on the right side. Uh, I know Mark Kallenberger; he he might just be a better run blocker than Koi Kronk, and that's why. Um, well, Kronk, Kronk wasn't even on the sideline, right? I or think was he, he was injured. Yeah, yeah, he, and he, he's uh, not on the, the two teams for this week either. Yeah, so if it's Kallenberger and it's because you like the way he can run block, to me, I think it's, um, I think that's kind of to Iowa's benefit because maybe it allows you to get a little more creative. I, I think we definitely saw that. But also, I wonder if it makes you rethink the pass play calling. Um, irrespective, I think that there's a lot to like out of this Iowa team, and it's why we were optimistic coming into the season um at least i was optimistic don't want to necessarily put yeah. words into your mouth um but I, I think minnesota is the type of team that iowa can keep it rolling against yeah i mean it's it's a great team to be playing right now um just building off that momentum like we said earlier uh it, it also will see if you know if this was just another aberration that we've seen um we see almost every year, seemingly, from this Iowa, from an from an Iowa football team. 
Um, I really don't know what else to say. I, I think that the question it's going to be is um, Minnesota, they've, they're averaging 36 points in the three games that they've played. Um, but I mean, Mar- at, Maryland doesn't have a defense either. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, Tanner Morgan kind of doing what he does. Um, ooh, Trayson Potts. Haven't seen him at all um, before. So he's he's averaging 10 yards a carry. Um, and, that's mean, but- something to watch. Mo Ibrahim is maybe the most underrated running back in the country. He's very, very good. And somehow it looks like it cannot be correct, but he has 10 rushing touchdowns. I mean, yeah. Well, what was the score of the Maryland game two weeks ago? It was uh, yeah. 50 to 51. Yeah. No, that wasn't the score, but um, – I mean, and also, we've, we're also forgetting the most important part. Kirk Ferentz is, what, 3-0 against P.J. Fleck? 4-0, we count the one year he's at, one year we played him at Western or Central, whichever it was. Yeah, I think that's, that's worth noting. And I always wonder with these streaks, is it good or is it bad? Like, I, I, I think it's kind of good because I think it means that Iowa, as in past years, they are hopefully putting a priority on this as a trophy game, which I think they're, they have in the past. Mm-hmm. It, it, um, the, the year that I think about is the 2018. They, they really kind of put it to Minnesota. Um, last year, they raced out to the big, huge lead. I know. Um, they almost lost last year. They scored just another field they, goal. Yeah, I mean. they scored three points in the second half. Um, uh, and the thing about that, though, is Minnesota was an objectively good team last year. That was a really good mm-hmm. team. And, and I, you know, wins a win. But, you know, scoring, I think it was 21 in the first half or 28 points we scored in the first half or 24. And then, yeah, like you said, just bear, clung on for dear life for the final 30 minutes of the game. But uh, and PJ Fleck kind of had a meltdown that might have cost his team at least a first down potentially the game. I do remember last year. So, I mean, I'm all, I hate PJ Fleck. So I'm don't, you know, necessarily believe, um, you know, he's a coaching genius that people make him out to be, but the team last year was objectively good and I'm not ready to call this team anything for anybody just because of the year we're in. Right, right. It, 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 so I guess it, it, it just comes down to that moving forward. I, I think, uh, and I think Minnesota, they're also in, pardon the pun, the same boat that, that Iowa is in that respect. They had two disappointing losses um, by a huge margin that first game against Michigan. But then uh, to come back, beat Illinois without Brandon Peters, um, Showing life, yeah, and like, like I said, I didn't watch any of it, but I, I have to imagine they're what it's not like you put 41 points, have a 28 or 27 point win, and are, are sad about it. So, uh, I think it's two teams that are coming in, and, and will it be a, a question of who wants it more, Ben? Mm-hmm. Um. And I hope not, because I think we're just so much better than them on paper. And I know they definitely, the Michigan game, they had like six starters out with COVID. I don't think that's going to be a problem anymore. 
Um, I, I haven't done enough research for the team how makeup's going to look, but I, I, I really hope that the will to win isn't what uh, tips the scales in the other team's favor simply because Iowa has such a huge talent advantage, I believe. Yeah, I think that maybe the one area that Iowa might be in trouble is, I believe, um, this defensive backfield, I think, is just I know. like... It, I knew you were uh, going to say that. It just... Uh, and for good reason. I don't know why. If it's just the fact that they got David Belled, and I'm just going to constantly remember that, because it's not like they got I'm beat sure by a huge margin for I'm by Northwestern. I'm choosing to believe that we beat Purdue if Kayvon Merriweather starts at safety the whole game. Um, Iowa has figured things out, it feels like, with their personnel. Um, and it looks on paper like, you know, I was D-backs in a great game, great game against Michigan State. But I truly honestly believe this, that the interceptions to Riley Moss and Jack Kerner were two of the top five worst passes I've ever seen in, from a – Big Ten quarterback. Um, they were both so bad, and I read this morning that they both intercepted him in high school too. Yeah, or, uh, or at least they had played him in high no, school. No, I, I think they both had intercepted him. Is what, <laughs> doc, what Dockerman wrote, which is awesome. Maybe there's maybe you know we. I remember blogging at the time, being so mad that Lombardi didn't even consider Iowa. Um, and I, I don't. You're the first. You, you today was the first time I heard that Iowa wanted him to play safety. I don't remember coming across it at all. So maybe, you know, every now and then we have to give Kirk Ferentz and Phil Parker some fucking credit about assessing talent. And maybe, um, maybe Rocky <laughs> Lombardi could have been, you know, the next great white Iowa safety. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was probably to to Kerner's benefit at free safety that Rocky Lombardi is is. Uh, decided he could ply his trade as a quarterback. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to pile on the kid. Like, we don't pile on Iowa Hawkeyes. No, no sense piling on, okay. uh, uh, <laughs> on other college kids. But, uh, no, I, I think that he was not good. I, I, I thought and tweeted during the game that he, he looked as uh, unwell as any quarterback that I had seen on a football field since C.J. Beathard. Um, once that game got out of hands, I I don't know why he was in for much longer after that touchdown drive in mm-hmm. the beginning of the second half. Once Iowa comes back and, and, and gets it or makes a margin 35 points again, uh, you do the math and it's like, ah, uh, maybe not worth it um, mm-hmm. because it, it was it was not good, not good. And, and like you said, like, they, th- those were bad passes. They they were really bad passes, and um, but like the kid, he just chucks it. I, I yeah, think there's I something mean, it's hard, there's something but... fun about that, and maybe that's why Kirk Ferentz didn't want him as Iowa's quarterback, is because he just chucks it and isn't uh, a Boy Scout who will follow the rules mm-hmm. at quarterback at quarterback. Right, to, to, right, right, to be right. Clear. Um, I think that the other thing, we going back to the Michigan State game, I think it's worth discussing since we don't know all that much about Minnesota. Um, you mentioned a little bit before the podcast, I share the same view. 
did Iowa play their starters too long? I think way too long. Um, I And I have to – we actually have had this. I remember, I think, being a little bit upset they played they played too long against Middle Tennessee and Miami of Ohio last year, if memory serves me correctly. But our starters played up, you know, up 42 point or up 42-7. Our starters still played the first two, two drives on offense um, of the fourth quarter. And I realize it's the third game of the year and already an abbreviated year. And I was been kind of playing like ass the previous two games. So I do understand um, why our starters did play. But at the same time, I don't need to see Tyler Goodson out there. Um, up 40 points in the fourth quarter. I don't. I don't need to see Spencer Petras out there. Um, I don't need to see anybody who's not an offensive lineman uh, start playing in the fourth quarter. And it. I like watching. I was getting like frustrated because I, like, I was when I watched the game. I was. I had the fast forward and rewind capabilities. I even, I spoiled it and fast forwarded when the fourth quarter started to see how long it would take for the starters to come in. And I was just kind of surprised. I think it was like 11, 12, 10 minutes finally on the game. And I, I just don't, I don't get it. And I do like the first play with a Padilla was a, was a bootleg a little quick there, but he's also pretty small. Honestly, they showed him and Deuce Hogan on the sideline and Deuce has great size. Padilla is kind of, kind of, kind of tiny, honestly. Yeah. I think what I would do, and I, I guess the, the point for, keeping them in is there's nothing like game reps. Right. That's fair. But like, I don't know who gains. Can you gain that much in two series against Michigan state of a 40 point game? Well, especially I guess that's the, the question. I mean, especially guys like Goodson, who, if he, if he goes down for a dumb injury, that's your most dynamic player on offense, potentially. I mean, top one, a one B top two dynamic players on offense and your other one also isn't in the game for, you know, being a bad citizen. So, uh, and I mean, you don't want to think about it, but like potentially, you know, there you be a situation where you're, where you're without your two most dynamic offensive players for once a coaching decision or for, because of coaching decisions, basically more or less. Yeah. And, and you bring up a good point about Goodson because, like, my thought immediately goes to the quarterback. I, I would like to see Iowa's quarterback, a backup quarterback, get a series or two in with the number one offensive line. To me, I think that that is more valuable as a – Absolutely. What, what if what if Petr- Petrus gets hurt and we need to go to our number two? And very has, rarely, very rarely does Brian Ferentz tight put in the number twos on the offensive line under any type of blowout circumstance. Like he'll, I think Linderbaum will always like the center always stays out there no matter what. I think out of safety for the quarterback, like you were saying. Um, so you know, like, and that's just I think that's how it is in the NFL and you know high school was too. You always just keep the offensive line out there. Um, uh, Iowa does a pretty decent job of switching guards and tackles around if they need to, but. Um, and like, how just how demoralized would you be if you were the backup quarterback out there and you hand it off to Goodson and he turns bad or you screw up something up and you know that's the season right there for him? It's just I don't. I'm, I mean, obviously, if we would have seen it in a regular year, I would have been a lot more upset than I am now. Is what I'm trying to say. That's a good point. Um, that the fact that it is a, a weird year makes it a little easier not to pull the trigger on bringing guys out. 
I think though the the at thing the same that time, at the same me, time, let me just say at the same time, it's also a really easy way to get a win as a coach in the locker room, if you know what I mean. Just let people play. If you, if Kirk Ferentz, let's you know, he needs a win. He needs a win for PR for PR um, in the newspaper and internally. And getting all these guys playing time is a really, really easy win for him. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because I, I, I think the one that sticks out, I, it was interesting that Gavin Williams was the, the running back that came in. But I think about having Goodson out there in a 42-point game. And uh, my mind immediately goes to 2010 when Adam Robinson was in a, a series too long. And... He got injured. He got, I believe, he rolled his ankle real bad. He was unable to play. Or maybe it was a concussion. It might have been in the concussion because it was later in the season that Kirk said he had academic indigestion as if having a concussion wouldn't lead to <laughs> it being a little trickier to get schoolwork done. Um, <laughs> but to, to me, that's where it comes down to. It's like, here are the guys you need. Save them, save them, wrap them in bubble wrap. Because especially now, like you look at, uh, if it were an ACL injury, who's not, who's to say if he would even be ready uh, to start next season? And again, this is all hypothetical. And, and like you said, the the easiest thing to do is to get wins by playing the guys who work hard in practice, and they did eventually get the get it uh, get on they the got, field. They got two series, right, or three. I think, I think it ended up being three. Yeah. Um, and, and Padilla had had it moving, um, I guess not. It was, oh, 10 plays, 36 yards was the last one. I do remember them. They had kind of a, a nifty little drive going. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm with you. It's like, uh, let, let's pack it up, go home uh, a little sooner. But those are also the things that, you don't necessarily get it doesn't hurt until it really hurts. Um, so bullet dodged, I suppose. Yeah. And the last thing I just want to call out, I think uh, in regards to the game is cowboy callers are back. Did I, I think all three Michigan state linebackers had a cowboy collar, which I haven't Oof. seen in a long time. It looked okay, but they weren't good enough to be wearing them. So, you know, yeah, there are like three people in, all of college football who should be wearing them. Leighton Bandrush still, even though mm-hmm. he is with the Cowboys. Um, Patty Fisher, he doesn't have a Cowboy collar, does he? No, and I don't, but it wouldn't fit over those tight Under Armour jerseys anyway. <laughs> uh, and then I guess who would be last? Well, I said three. I don't know. I, I kind of think Seth Benson is really a, a, a good linebacker. He was. In on a lot of plays early. He had the most, he led the team in tackles, and and it seemed like he's just always there. I I, I don't mm-hmm. know because Jack Campbell he's back on on the depth chart now. Um, apparently back from his bout with mono. Uh, I'm curious to see if they switch up this linebacking core a little bit because I think they have something cooking with um Neiman Benson and Wade Wade being that really kind of jack of all trades. Or if either I, I, the other two get injured. Yeah, uh, Neiman and Wade are, I, I mean, I'm impressed by them. They're, I knew Neiman had it in him. Wade was the most experienced, I think he's a fifth-year senior, 
uh, player in the linebacker room. And he's been, you know, other than all the mistakes he've made, he's made this year, I think you can honestly be chalked up to coaching and his assignments. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that interception that Wade had, um, it, it was, it was textbook. perfect. Yeah. It was perfect. Uh, to shirk the the block like he did, and mm-hmm. then the athleticism to get up, and you probably get away with that pass against some uh, linebackers, but that was that was impressive. That yeah. was really impressive. Yeah, I guess that maybe maybe through through three games, is he your biggest? Like, oh, that guy is he your favorite? The the one who stuck out the most in terms of expectations versus performance. Yeah, I'd still even Davion Nixon's playing. Like, I, I, he's still playing better than I thought. Um, so it's still him. But a- after him, it would definitely be, um, it definitely be Wade. And then give me a few more games, and it might be Kayvon Merriweather. Okay, I, I was thinking Kayvon Merriweather's had a couple of good games. Um, Iowa still hasn't. I mean, the their one truly wretched moment in coverage was um <laughs> that uh touchdown to bell the go-ahead touchdown to bell um and he wasn't there at strong no. safety i w- was more in a nickel look with hankins inside instead of belton inside and uh merriweather in his i think natural uh strong safety position um I- i'm glad that it it worked out like that for merriweather because um you could tell that he definitely has the skills. It's just a matter of using them appropriately in the first game or two of last year. Um, he just he's just not a free safety. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm pleasantly surprised with uh, the defensive backfield. Even though I don't think there is a star yet, I keep waiting for Belton to house one. Um, I guess Riley Moss did, but yeah, yeah Riley Moss is just. Uh, he is a roller coaster ride, man. I know he really is. <laughs> we still we still get one more year of him too. Oh yeah, so we'll get five years of Riley Moss. Oh my god. Hey, like yeah, I, I, fine. Like, like my eyes were kind of open about what Thad said. Uh, the the text or or that Thad had where like in coverage he's kind of good, but when he's bad he's horrible. It's like oh yeah. You know, I mean, like if we can get a, I mean, fine, I'll say it. If we can get a white guy at corner in the NFL and it's Riley Moss, if you think I'm not buying that jersey, you're nuts. <laughs> oh my god. Well, I mean, it's Jason Seahorn is the last, the last, the prior white cornerback in the NFL, and there was like an article about him um, in Sports Illustrated about like that juxtaposition. Um, it's pretty old. And it was interesting because Riley Moss normally wears sleeves under any circumstance. Yeah, He's wearing he sleeves. And then he took them off for uh, the second half after housing that touchdown. So, respect <laughs> there, Riley Moss. Uh, yeah. I mean. I see you. I see you. That's fine. I didn't even pick up on that. That's funny. So, uh, I don't know. I guess that does it. You have any, any parting shots? Uh, no. Not, not really. We didn't talk about Tory Taylor once, and he probably bears a mention. But my God, honestly, I, this is funny. The whenever I watched like 
Big Big Ten, 60, whatever. And they didn't show any of Tory Taylor's punts. Oh, in the, yeah, in the broadcast that's, that's I watched, so that's, so that's why I, I didn't talk about him. <laughs> <laughs> there was the moment where he had the one that was like, uh, he was set up inside Iowa's 50, or right at Iowa's 50, and he like held on to the ball, and you could just tell, like, oh my god, this is going to be a perfect punt. It wasn't perfect, but he hit it like right on the five backspin in the corner, that's about as perfect as you mm-hmm. can get without it being one where it's like you're you're freaking out about it going into the end zone. I was truly impressed by, um, dare I say, the moxie that he had to just hold the ball like that and uh, and get it presumably exactly where he, he expected it to this, the week of the golf tournament at Augusta National. I mean, maybe that's just the benefit of being a 22-year-old freshman. Um, tell you what, we get four more years out of that guy. <laughs> I know. I, I, I'm i not sure I'm prepared for four years of this guy. Like, I, at what point does he leave early? Like, um, uh, I think, wasn't it the previous, the Australian punter from Texas who left early? He was drafted by... The Seahawks, I believe, is his name Dixon, something like that. Oh yeah, they and every time, God, Chris Collinsworth loves him so much. I know exactly who you're oh, talking about. Yeah, look at that. It's called the style pun. All right, well, it's it's getting a little loopy. Doing some Colin Chrisworth uh, impression. <laughs> what? Uh, it's a bit of mine, Colin Chrisworth, I instead of Chris that. Collinsworth. I get it. I do get it. I know. I know. A spoonerism. I think that's what it's called, or a version of a spoonerism. Well, I guess that does it for me, Ben. Um, and uh, predictions, I guess, for Minnesota. Do, do you have anything that... It's funny. Did anybody pick a win on staff for Michigan State? I actually, I actually think we had Thad pick a one-possession win for Iowa. Um, I did pick five field goals. Little did I know that Iowa's offense would score five times, and they were five yeah. touchdowns. So, okay, uh, little mix-up in the algorithm there. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll get one of the Nates to figure out the problem. There. I, 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 I don't know. Like, I, I'm kind of falling in love with this defense. I'm just afraid that it's adjusted for Michigan State and that it's actually a oh yeah a, just a good defense um but was up against bad competition so I I am curious to see how they they go against Minnesota hopefully the the rushing is there for Iowa because I think that that would be that'd be exciting I I don't know yeah. I think this one has overtime on it I think Ugh. like a 28 28 31 28 maybe I was gonna say if Iowa doesn't score 40 points then would be kind of disappointed. Okay. All right. All right. So there you have it. You heard it here first. I was offense technically didn't score 40 points this last game, but I won't okay. hold it against them. Fine. <laughs> Charlie, Charlie, Jones, Charlie, Charlie Jones counts. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, so I guess there you have it. Uh, 40 points from Iowa's offense from Ben. Uh, overtime game from me. Uh, and that does it. A little happier episode this time around. Uh, go Hawks. Score.